Welcome to the Parent Points Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cabot. The mission of this podcast is to help you, the parent, realize and accomplish this truth. You are the primary disciple maker of your child. I truly believe that this podcast only helps one parent grasp this and apply it to their home. It is 100% worth it. Well, in this episode, parents, we're going to be discussing how to create delight and wonder in yourself and in the students in your home. Uh, And then I'm really excited towards the end of this podcast, parents, we're going to point you to this free resource uh, that our guest has kind of developed and it helps your family craft the vision statement. We're going to talk about that and why that's important, all of this great stuff. Uh, But our guest for this episode is Ryan Frederick. How are you doing, Ryan? Good, Justin. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. Uh, Ryan, uh, he's the co-founder of Fierce Marriage and Fierce Parenting. And honestly, that's where I found you first was in the Fierce Marriage piece. Uh, Him and his wife co-authored various books. And then me and my wife went through them, the wife in pursuit and the husband in pursuit. And then there's like a prayer journal that goes alongside it. Man, those things were legit. (laughs) So parents want to focus in on your marriage. That's legit. They're really good. Really good. Uh, And then they have uh, a really, uh, really truthful and deep podcast called fierce marriage podcast that you and your wife do together correct yeah yeah we just actually started our fifth season so we've done uh, over 200 and well we don't have all the numbers all the episodes numbered i think we have probably close to 250 episodes on there so we've been doing it for a little while uh it's been a fun it's been a fun thing otherwise we probably wouldn't still be doing it so we're having a blast doing it yeah that's cool that's cool man uh parents I, i hope you really you really dive into their content um, Ryan, uh, I say this every time we hop on the podcast is that our mission through this podcast and really the student ministry in which I serve is to help parents realize that they're the primary disciple maker of their student and how to give them tools on what to do. Right. And so we've had some several guests come on the show. They've been incredible. And I, I ask this question of every guest that we have, because I think it's a, it's a kind of a foundational question of kind of this parents discipling and, and dealing and walking with their student through difficult times and uh, even even the mountaintop experiences too. And that question is this, is why do you think parents and maybe even the church as well have gotten away from this idea of parents discipling their kid? Like, why do you think we've moved away from that? Man, that is a... It's a hard question. <laughs> it's a deep question. It's the, honestly, it's the question right. that I think we need to be asking right now. And the reason, I and mean, the answers are, are multifaceted, right? I think the most uh, plain um, answer is that we we are no different uh, from Israel, right? In in the Old Testament, and that we are very unfortunately, like we're fast to forget um, the God, uh, the God whom we serve, the one who has who has rescued us, and and because we forget, we make light of it, and we make light of His word, and um, so I think at at its root. If I could be so bold to say, I mean, you asked me to be bold. <laughs> like, yes. I think honestly, we just, we don't, we don't have a high enough view of God. We don't have a high enough view of his word. And we don't have a high enough view of the calling that he's placed on our lives um, to, to be the disciples of our children. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and so because of that, then there are cultural pressures that conveniently impose themselves upon us. And I say conveniently because it gives us, um, we, we don't have a hard time caving into the cultural pressures that we feel because of the, the low view of, of the responsibility that we have and the low view of God that we have. And um, again, I'm speaking generally, of course, there's exceptions to this, but um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest reason. 
culturally speaking, I think we, um, Western Christianity, um, the way it's, it's, it's evolved in the last 100 years um, and the, the various kind of um, streams of Christianity that have developed, you get varying expressions of how um, parenting and the, how that parent church kind of interface works. In other words, the, in more reformed traditions, uh, especially like in Presbyterian traditions, we actually, there's a very rich um, history and there's a rich tradition that has still survives to this day of family worship, of family discipleship, of Sunday school, of things that are kind of old school, right? right. Um, and in other streams, you have this idea that uh, the the discipleship of the children should be, um, is it should be primarily uh, carried by the church, right? And so instead of the parents being the ones who are leading family worship, instead, I need to get my kids into a church that will lead them well, right? And that's the, par- partially the position you're in, right? right. Um, and so unfortunately, you have uh, parents are putting the burden on youth pastors and on pastors to basically do all the spiritual development of their children in an hour a week, and they're and and here their kids their kids are at school you know thirty hours a week and they're playing video games ten hours a week and they're watching YouTube ten hours so there's all these other influences and they're saying hey you you do the job that I don't want to do in one hour a week and I'm not going to help you and again I'm being a little harsh um, this, okay. again I don't mean to to do that there are parents that that don't do this but I think in general. Um, right. Those are the reasons um, for it. And I could go on and on, of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. I think I think you hit that that perfectly. Um, well, I, I want us to talk about something, a uh, resource that I that kind of saw on your website, just really around this these two words, delight and wonder. Um, and I want us to kind of figure out how we can um, talk through, like with these parents listening, about how to kind of really dive into what delight and wonder is. And so I just didn't know if you could take some time and maybe define those two words for us from your perspective. Yeah. So, um, as we've talked through those, those, my wife and I, uh, through the marriage side of things now into the children, um, the parenting side of things, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been stricken for years, I'll say, uh, uh, and I've been thinking and wrestling with for years, the idea of how, how does God give and use our desires to lead us along. Um, how can he, how does he change us? You know, there's a scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, and that, that's not just, he'll give me what I want. It's he'll actually change my desires, right? He'll, mm-hmm. he will, he will instill the desires that he wants me to have. And so I, I'm, I'm, that's, that's where that delight and um, I forget the other word. Um, wonder. Wonder. Yeah. So that's where those kind of came to, to, be in, in the forefront of our minds because we're, I was thinking through, okay, how does desire play a role in how healthy my relationship with God is, how healthy my relationship with my wife is and with my children is. And so it goes very, it goes all the way down to the core of your, again, your relationship to God, your relationship with him. And I make that distinction because our relationship to God is, is the starting point. It's not just, and again, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to paint with broad brushstrokes, but like in modern Western Christianity, we've really watered down um, our relationship to God, right? right? So we're very fast to say, God is love. God wants, you know, he, he, he died for you. He loves you. He wants you, you know, to know you. All those things are good and true, but all the while we forget not just our relationship with him, like that's what that's referring to, but we forget our relationship to him and that he is the creator. Mm-hmm. He, he is not 
on the same level as us. He is the, the only one who can rightly seek his own glory, right? And mm. who can rightly want us to glorify him. And we are, our only job is to glorify God, is mm. to give him all of ourselves, all of our glory. And that's our relationship to him. And so that, that then um, I think starts to birth in us when we have that proper kind of framing and that proper context, we can't help but wonder that to be lost mm. in awe and wonder and delight um, and who God is, because we're actually beholding who he is, right? There's a reason why the psalmist in Psalm 34 says, taste and see. Mm. Uh, taste and see. The blessed, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. In Hebrews, uh, he, he, he refu- uh, references those who have tasted the goodness of the word of God, the powers of the coming age. In First Peter, uh, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So there's this very experiential piece of experiencing who God is um, it, n- without regard to how he affects me. Right. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. like you're beholding him. And then I, t- I I'm, I'm able to, because of Christ through his grace, I can now be brought into the fold mm-hmm. that brings that, that begins to well up within us a true sense of awe and wonder that is deep and it is um, unquenchable and it's mm-hmm. only proper terminus. The only proper finishing place for that wonder is God himself. And so mm-hmm. that's where it starts. Yeah. And then um, that, that then I, I'm, I, I mean, this is our whole ministry is around this truth that 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 true understanding, that true relationship with God for who God is and who Christ is, then will radiate naturally out into how we both instruct our children. But then by his grace, we now express wonder toward God because of our children. Right. So Mm -hmm. I can't I don't I'll never look at my wife the same way. I'll never look at my children the same way because I have beheld the goodness of God and the power of God. And now I'm seeing them and I'm saying, wow, what a wonder it is to be. Uh, in their life to be the one who gets to be their father, the one who gets to to disciple them. Um, and so I guess to bring it full circle, that's where um, wonder and delight really do play a role in that. I think they, um, they, they, they well up from the realization of who God is. And then as a result, they overflow into us actually doing what we're called to do, which is to glorify God mm. on every level and in every relationship. Mm. That's, that's so strong. Now, when you say that uh, one thing that you said in that moment was, you know, it changes the way that you look at your wife and it changes the way that you look at your kids. Um, and so I know I'm, I'm on the East coast side of things. I'm not entirely sure where you live, but we here, we're kind of technically in the Bible belt. Right. But um, it really doesn't feel like the Bible belt where we're at here, mm-hmm. kind of outskirts of Charleston. And when people hear the words, del- or maybe a not, maybe I'm making an assumption, but when they hear the words delight and wonder, they almost think of this as like, man, there's no way that that can be true. Like it's kind of fluffy, fake, maybe it's not this type of thing. And so what would you say on why it's important to have that delight and wonder in your life as a parent when you have kids that you're trying to disciple and push to? And the kind of specifically like how you look at them, right? Because I know in my parenting, and maybe I'm the only one out there that struggles with this, but you know, you get angry. It's unbelievable how angry you can get at somebody that can't form a full sentence, right? Like you just get mad, right? (laughs) Because I lose vision of the gift that they are through God and and the eyes that he gives me to see them. So I just wanted to maybe if you could drill down on that even a little bit more. Yeah, I think the quick answer is um, the reason why they're important is because they can't be faked. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't feign like genuine delight, genuine wonder. You just can't, you can't do it. it and especially with kids, right? They, they'll see right through it. They know, they know when you're just giving them a line, they know when you're just saying, you know, God is good. You know, and, like if you genuinely have tasted and you've seen for yourself that the Lord is good, like 
they will know the difference. And so, um, and, and it's funny you say that because you're in the Bible Belt. We couldn't be further from the Bible Belt. We're in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. Um, we're not just post-Christianity up here. Like we're pre-Christian. There are people here who don't know that Jesus is the same guy that was born on Christmas and the same guy that was resurrected on Easter. They don't, they don't make that connection up here. Wow. And so there's this sense of like, we're in the wild West in terms of <laughs> Christianity. And, and so there really is no other way to live out your faith because it, there's, it, it has to be real. Cause if it's not real, like there's no reason there's no reason to engage in it. There's no cultural mm. Christianity here. There's no sense that like, I need this to have social like standing. I need this to have a, a context uh, that's just not here. So uh, that's, that's why I think maybe why this message is so big on, on our hearts. Cause it's like, you can't, you have to have a genuine faith if, if it's going to have any genuine fruit. Mm. And so to me, that's why like delight and wonder in the Lord are the litmus test or have you beheld, have you tasted, have you seen for yourself? And if you haven't tasted, you haven't seen, how can we possibly hope to show our kids this God um, that our tongues profess when, uh, when, when there's not an actual heart change that's happening mm. and the kids, especially, you know, this more than most, but they, they, they catch that. What is it? That's what they learn is most more caught than taught. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just that whole thing, but it's blown out into, into their whole worldview. Right. And then what happens is, is you get kids that go through high school kind of playing the game, they get out of, from underneath your covering. And then they realize that like, there's all these other things that we, that, that, that are, are more, they seem more genuine to them. And mm-hmm. so then they start dabbling, they start testing, they start pushing back on what, like the, the, the things that held them at bay, the, the, you know, the social pressure, maybe some of the traditions, some of just the, the you know, the, the, the cultural context that they were in, all that stuff will be gone. And so if there's nothing real there, then, then we shouldn't be shocked um, right. if they walk away from the faith. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, kind of like a little uh, side uh, question, you know, you said that in the, you kind of live on the Pacific Northwest, you know, post-Christianity, pre-Christianity, where you're at. Do you foresee that that's going to move to the East Coast in time, um, just from what you're experiencing there and just knowing culture and knowing kind of the, the history? Like, do you think that, you know, 50 years from now that even on the East coast where we would consider the Bible belt, like you think that will get to that point as well? Yeah. I, well, it's a good question. I'm not a, I'm not a, a sociologist, anthropologist. I, I will say that like, it does seem that that would be the logical conclusion. I mean, just look at the worldview. Um, like there's this myth of neutrality, right. Uh, in when it comes to government institutions and schools, and it's this idea that we're not trying to push any sort of religion. We're just trying to let, you know, be neutral. And that's not true. Like uh, the, in, in public schools, in the, in the public space, in the public sphere, there is a religion. It's just called, uh, it's just called humanism, secular humanism. And they just, mm-hmm. instead of putting God as God, man is God. And that if there is any utopian state to be reached or some higher plane of existence to be reached, it's going to be reached by man, by man's ingenuity, by science, by, uh, by, you know, inclusivity, you know, but all the kind of buzzwords. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I think we have good reason to think that it's not going to get any more, uh, <laughs> more Christian, if, right. if that's the question. So, yeah. And actually I'm working on a, a book now that's, it's all about that. It's like, how do we, not just thinking about our kids, but how do we like in 30, 40, 50 years, right? how can we be training our kids today to be faithful Christians in 50 years? That's My right. oldest daughter is seven years old. So when she's almost 60, mm. you know, what is she going to be facing and how can she be a faithful dissident in, in, in our culture? And it's not about being 
loud, rebellious. It's just, how are you going to be faithful? And, and, right. and so what are the things we can teach her now so that, and, and normalize now, um, knowing that that, 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 mm-hmm. that, that tide is not shifting. Right. And so, yeah, you guys are in a unique spot. Um, yeah, we were, and this will be the last thing I say on that, but we, um, we're part of a, a church plant for many years up here and what's called the Acts 29 network. Yep. And they, um, they're based out of, um, I think the South and, and the mm-hmm. Texas area, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but they were all, they would have like conferences and they, they would do church planning seminars and things. And they're looking to the Northwest saying like where the Northwest is now, that's where we're going to be in 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so how are we, what are they doing now? Because we need to learn that so that we can do it down here, you know, in the Bible belt, so to speak. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um, well, I want to just get super practical for our parents. What I want to do is I kind of want to see if you can give us some practical steps on how parents can maybe even just begin to figure out this delight and wonder in their own life. Because what you said, one thing that you said that stuck with me, right? Like most of the things, what our students learn is, is caught, not taught. Right. So mm-hmm. with parents out there, you know, parents, you know, your kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. Right. And so, how can parents begin to model this at home? How can parents begin to model this delight and wonder um, in their lives? And then if you want to just go ahead without me interrupting you, and how would how would you have them have conversations with their students about delight and wonder? Because to be honest with you, as a student pastor, I'm not hearing this conversation. I'm not hearing student pastors or parents talking to sixth through 12th graders about delight and wonder in God. And so hmm. what would be some things that we could kind of help kind of get super practical with our parents and, and even how they can help their students? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So uh, the thing again about delight or wonder, it's one thing to do a, you know, kind of a word study or topic study and and then show that to the kids and, you know, and talk them through that. It's another to actually model it for them. And right. like I said, it's not something that you can really fake. And so I, I would start with, I mean, as practical as, as you can get, I think would be just have your own devotion to mm-hmm. God and, and, that's a, a modern word, but I do mean like in, in the more archaic sense, like be devoted to the Lord. I mean, in other words, mm-hmm. like, like be the living sacrifice, uh, put things kind of on, on the chopping block in the name of being faithful to the Lord. And I think a lot of times we have a consumer Christianity where it's, it's, it's good and it's fun as long as it's convenient. And as soon as it gets hard, we're, you know, we're going to skip it. Um, mm. And so you need to actually, and I'm not trying to moralize here. I'm not saying like change, like this has to happen from the inside out. Right. It has to happen as a result of tasting and seeing that the Lord is in fact good. Mm. He is in fact better than anything else you could want. Do you actually believe that? And if you actually believe that, then let that truth work itself out in your life. Right. Um, that's the first step. Uh, and then I think the next natural step is, and we are like, we're going to keep harping on this chord as long as the Lord lets us, but is family worship. Mm. And, and so um, that's, that's a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a biblical practice it's a an orthodox um tradition it's it's uh took a lot more root in like the puritan movement which you guys would appreciate over on the east coast um, (laughs) probably more than we would um but i've come to appreciate it through reading and through learning but um they 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 held this idea that there are basically three forms of worship and i've touched on two already so uh the the three the first one is going to be what they called secret worship so secret worship is between you and god alone it's only only you and him like no one can have your relationship with God. No one will ever know the depth and the intricacies of that. Not even your wife, not even your closest friend. Right. Um, and that's secret worship. And that was a big thing to the Puritans. And it was a big thing, obviously, to um, throughout biblical history. 
And then you have what they call private worship. And that's what I would call family worship. And private worship is the worship that just happens within your home, in the privacy of your home, between those who are under your roof, whether they're guests, sojourners, who, so on and so forth. But mostly it's going to be your, your, yourself, your, your spouse, and your children, and anyone else who happens to be there. And it's a daily thing. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not intense. It's not a long, but it's consistent. So just as an example, now we're, we've been, we walk through, we have three daughters. Our, our oldest is um, almost eight. Um, our youngest is almost two. And so um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to nail them, you know, to have them sit for more than, you know, five minutes. And so right. we're going through Genesis and Exodus right now. And what'll happen is we just read through a scripture and then I'll ask them questions. I'll, I'll point them, I'll show them how um, it, it points to Christ. And, and then, uh, and then we'll usually sing a song. We have like, we try to learn a song every month, like a new hymn um, every month, and then we'll pray. And I'll ask one of the girls to pray. Um, and that's private worship. Then of course, the third um, category is, is public worship, which mm. is the one that we're most familiar with, but that's just, that's just gathering with, you know, the saints on a Sunday. So how to practically uh, begin to have these conversations, I think it starts there. It starts in, in, in the secrecy of your worship with the Lord uh, in the privacy of your home, as you, as you just marvel over the word of God together, mm. right? Like I said, it's one thing to do a, a word study, but it's another to just show them how you, how you delight yourself in the Lord. Show mm. them that he's actually delightful. He's actually good. He's not just, you know, he's not just, uh, he, he's not pointing to some better good. Like he is good itself. And he is the ultimate good for us to, to have. Um, show them that. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a faithful, a family that has faithfully done family worship uh, for the majority of their child's life, you'd be hard pressed to find a family where that child has walked away from the Lord mm. um, because they've beheld him for themselves and they've seen their parents behold him for themselves. So yeah. I would start there. Yeah. Um, and we do have some resources on our um, Fierce Parenting website, um, like how to do simple family worship. It's not, it's not, a, it's not complicated. Um, it's really fun. But anyway, that's what I would start with. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me, let me drill down on that for just a second before we move on. I actually was talking to a parent the other day uh, about family worship and just the idea of, you know, if, if you're not discipling your kid in, in the ways of Jesus or teaching them the ways of Jesus, then somebody around them is teaching them something that's not Jesus, right? Like they're going to school and they're hearing something that's mm-hmm. not biblical. They're going to sports practice. They're going to hang out with their friends. They're going to do all this stuff. And so it's our responsibility to teach them Jesus and they, their rebuttal or their response back to that was, well, I don't want to force them to follow Jesus or force Jesus down, down their throat. Right. Um, What do you say to a parent like that? What do you do when you get faced with that opposition of like, well, I just don't want to force my kid to follow Jesus or force my kid to learn or sit and like around, around the, the, the the coffee table at your house and, and open up scripture and pray and sing like, what do you say to a parent in that moment? Um, besides yeah, getting mad, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. I, I needed that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's silly to be honest. I think it's really silly. Like to mm-hmm. think, uh, Hey, I don't think it's forcing them. Like you're parenting them. It's like, what am I forcing my kid not to like, not to smoke marijuana? Like, am I, am I forcing my kid not like, am I being oppressive by not letting them just do and watch or, and consume anything they want to do, watch or consume? Am, am I being like, no, you, you need to parent your kids. And if we believe that, that God is the, that Christ is the way, the truth and the life, like what else is there for us t- to do? I don't. Mm. And so I think there's like, so there, there's a sense that you can't, you, you can't make 
them love the Lord. You can't do that. Only, right. only God can do that. But it's silly to think that you shouldn't, because of that, that you shouldn't still be bringing them to the trailhead every day saying, this is where the path begins. This is where life begins. I can't make you walk the path, but I can show you where it is. And I can show you my, I can show you myself walking it. Um, so like that, my, my answer to that parent is, do you really want your, A, do you even know what you're saying? B, do you, do you see God for who he is and their desperate need for him? Do you actually see those things and, and hold those as true? Uh, and then secondly, um, uh, do you actually, do you actually want them, um, to know God for themselves. And, and if, if you can say, if you say yes to all those things and like, I don't know what else you would do. Um, everything else is just smoke and mirrors. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for sharing that. I think that family worship dynamic is one thing that we are not even in the Bible belt over here. We're not good at that. Like we're not good at opening up God's word together. We're not good at that as, I mean, I know in my home it's a struggle for me too. Like it's, we, we're never hitting a hundred percent. Right. Um, and so thank you for sharing that. And yeah. uh, parents, like you said, got the, some resources on their parenting website. I would love for you to check those out. Um, before we wrap up and kind of talk about that, the vision, uh, family mission, family vision statement, I want to ask one more question about this delight and wonder. Uh, studies are showing statistics are out there that man, kids are struggling with anxiety and depression like never before, right? Now, I know a lot of people throw those words out there super loosely, and I don't mean to, to do that at all, right? Um, there's several studies that show that there are high percentages of 6th through 12th graders that are diagnosed by a professional to have anxiety or depression, right? How do you see the teaching of delight and wonder maybe combat that? Maybe be some some spiritual medicine to kind of overcome some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a lot in there. So, you know, I think the first question is what is the, um, what is the source of depression? What are they calling depression and what, you know, what is the nature of that, that response, right. On whatever the survey is, um, is it a clinical depression or is it a, um, you know, cause I, kids go through stuff and that's not to make light of it, but like right. there's, it's, you have to really nail down what that is. Um, now, you know, where, where the, um, the salve is or where the kind of the medicine is for that. Um, and delight and wonder being, I just come back around to it. Delight and wonder are when you behold God for who he is, uh, it, it is utterly grounding. Um, it's utterly contextualizing. Uh, it's, utterly revealing in terms of our truest, truest identity. Um, and so there, there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of reasons for this. There's a lot of people that are trying to figure out why the depression thing is happening. I think the online dynamic is huge. There's a friend of ours that's actually becoming a part of our ministry. Um, they have a thing called gospel tech and it's all around like how tech use is, is forming children and how to, how to be gospel centered and how we, um, not just avoid tech, but use it as a tool and, and, and not be used by it. Um, so there's a lot of information around how depression is a result of tech use. There's a lot of uh, information and people kind of speculating uh, on different kind of inter intersectionality is the word that is being thrown around and different sources of identity. And it's usually around some, some sort of sex, sex in some level, right? Whether it's your sexual preference, sexual identity, your gender identity, all that kind of stuff. And that creates an immense amount of chaos in the heart and mind of a child, when you are literally saying to them, there is no basis for your existence other than what you feel. And, and by the way, what you feel changes 
minute to minute because mm. you're going through puberty, you have hormones right. and you don't have answers to hard questions because you don't know anything because you're a child. Right. And so our, our culture is ripping them from that context. Mm. And so to, to ground them in the goodness and delightfulness of the Lord, the truth of God, the truths of scripture as delightful in and of themselves. Um, you don't have to be an apologist. You just have to show them the path, like let God be God. That's right. You just be faithful to him. Um, and, and watch how, and I'm not saying that you can just read the Bible and all your depression will go away. Like, no, depression's real. Right. Kids struggle. Um, and there's counselors are grace of God and medicine and all that is a grace of God. So I'm not trying to discount any of that, but like, don't go to the, the pills without first going to the creator of the universe, right? Without right. first. Um, so anyway, I, I, I would just say that it, delighting in the Lord truly is utterly contextualizing, utterly grounding and, and it's revealing of your truest identity. Mm. And I think that's the best thing we can do for our kids is just give them that firm grounding. Um, and the right. best way to give that to them is to have it yourself mm. and to show them that you have it and you, and you truly do love the Lord. That's right. Well, here we go. The last thing I want us to talk about is this family vision statement, this resource that you guys put out. And I just got three questions on it that I just want you to hit real quick. Um, where, where do these parents get this? Like if a parent wants to get this resource to, to help them kind of craft the family vision statement, where do they get it? Why is having a family vision statement important? And lastly, does every family need one? Hmm. So um, the first answer is the easiest. Uh, you can just go to uh, fierceparenting.com. There is, um, it's, it's a free ebook. Um, it's how to craft a family vision statement. Or, um, and it's, I think like 40 pages or so long. You can probably read it in 15 minutes. Right. Um, it's not, it's not lengthy. Um, but anyway, you can find it there. Just look under the resources section of our website. It's called crafting a family vision statement. Um, I think the second question was how, or, or how what, do you go about crafting one? Or why, why is it important? Why is it, why is it important? important? Yeah. Well, it's just that, that, um, that's just biblical wisdom, right? The Lord, uh, in, in Psalm 90, he says, uh, some, you know, have 70 years by reason of strength, 80, um, and our days are basically, you know, a mist or they're, you know, they're a vapor. That's this Ecclesiastes. And then Psalm 90, 12 says, the Lord teaches a number of days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And there's this um, biblical call throughout the Old and the New Testament to basically say, like, again, you're not God. You're finite. You are mortal. You have a limited amount of days. Those days are best spent glorifying God. And then living wisely in light of that means that compels us to, to, to not just go wherever the breeze blows, right. Or wherever the wind takes us, we need to have some conviction and conviction comes by pouring over God's word, praying, asking him to lead us. And so I do think every, or why you need it is because that gives you a, uh, it, it gives you basically a framework by which you can make the decisions in the gray areas of life. Um, one example for us is we, um, we felt a strong conviction and this was all written down. It took us, took us some time to, to craft this. I mean, uh, we took us, I think, four months to write our first draft. Hopefully the ebook will help parents do it a lot quicker than that. And that's why we wrote the ebook is because we struggled through it. And I, I was like, this needs to be easier. Right, um, right. And so we help you give you examples and ways to think and questions to ask that we all had, we had to mine and figure all that out. Um, but um, so we, we had, uh, uh, we, we were trying to figure, okay, so yeah, we had written all this stuff down and we, we thought these are the things that are core values. So the family vision statement includes your mission, your family mission statement. Then you have what are core values. Um, and those aren't just your ideal core values, but your actual kind of like mos is what they're called, like your, your mores, the things that actually uh, are deep, so deeply uh, interwoven into your very 
culture as a family that they're just they're intrinsic. So you, so finding out what those are and bubbling them up to the surface and then making them overt um, is the second piece. Those are core values. And the third piece is your envision statements and seeing how, how ideally if this all works itself out the way we're hoping it'll work itself out. This is the future we envision uh, and how it, it affects our children. We have descriptions of like how our dinner table looks like kids laughing, enjoying one another, like getting along, uh, reading God's word, like envisioning that is very powerful for living this out on a daily uh, basis. So anyway, we had done, gone through that process um, and uh, we had realized that we community is huge to us, but we also wanted to have a sense of, um, we wanted our kids to not grow up, you know, um, in a concrete jungle, so to speak. We want them to have some space to run and all that. Right. Um, but we, we just couldn't square that with where we live, where land is extremely scarce. It's very expensive. We live in the south of Seattle, about 30 miles. Um, there's, there's no more land. Like it's all pretty much developed. And so there's no place to find that. So we just resigned ourselves because we knew, we said, okay, it's more important to be among the people of God. We feel called to this area. We can't just abandon our community. That's a core value. We need the people of God. So we're not just going to move even like 30 minutes out of town. Like we're not going to do that because functionally that will, that will sever those relationships functionally. Right. Yeah. You can think, Oh, you know, we'll see him. We'll still drive. We'll drive or whatever. Like I'm just saying like functionally like that, that won't happen. Right. Over time. You need to be, you know, you need to be wise enough to see the kind of the writing on those walls. Um, and that helped us make a decision. And by God's grace, it, we, we stuck around. Like we just stayed in our town, the house, we, we outgrew our house. We we're like, we can't afford, we're not willing to move out. We can't afford, you know, the land that we hope to have here in this place. So we're just, whatever, God will take care of that desire. Like we're just going to delight in him and mm -hmm. give that to him. Um, and by his grace, we, it actually worked out to where we were able to find a spot, but it's in town and it's more than we could ever hope for. Um, but and that, that's not to say like, do the vision, you'll get everything you want. I'm just saying that God is faithful right. when we, so, so many times we live pragmatically um, mm -hmm. in our decisions where it's like, what, what's the most, what makes the most pragmatic sense? In other words, in other words, what's easiest, right. um, what gets us the things that we want kind of the, the most readily. Um, but I think we need to shift that thinking and we need to live more principled um, lives, meaning that we're going to stand on the things of God, that the convictions he's given us and and let pragmatism kind of let the cards fall where they may within those principles. And then we can really trust God in those. So, sorry, I'm very long winded when it comes to this stuff because it's, okay. it's such it. a passionate topic for us. And right. then do I think every family needs it? I think it was the final question. And I think I probably answered it, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, Ryan, man, it has been seriously a joy for you to come on the podcast. I really do appreciate mm -hmm. you. And I'm super thankful for you to, to hop on here. Uh, I just want you to kind of give you the one last, one last moment. You have no question to prompt you, but just what would you say to some parents of sixth through 12th graders? Like what's one little nugget that you would say, Hey, in the next seven days, mm. can you focus in on this right here? <laughs> um, here it is. Uh, you be the parent and let God be God. And mm. what I mean by that is, is trust him as you parent you, but, but here's the thing. You be the parent. Don't, don't outsource it. Don't let your school tell your kids, the important right. truths of life. You tell them the important. Right. Don't let your, no offense to you, Justin, but don't let your youth pastor right. be the parent. Like they're not your child's parent. You be the parent, but then here's the trick. That's right. That's not a trick, but here's the yeah. key. Let God be God. Uh, right. And then trust him with, with the fruit of that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, our prayer is that, that the fruit would be, you know, we can't control it. God, God knows the heart. He's the one who's going to transform the hearts, but we can show up and just be faithful in, right. in the call to be a parent. 
That's right. That's right. Well, where can parents find you on social media and online or engage with your yeah. content? Where are you kind of living at right now online? Yeah. Well, we just did the, we started the Fierce Marriage Podcast. Excuse me, Fierce Parenting Podcast. Um, okay. We just started that one. Uh, I think last week we launched uh, three oh, pilot sweet. episodes. Sweet. So that that podcast is now live. Um, actually, after we get off this call, I'm going to edit the fourth episode, which will drop today, which is Wednesday. Um, so that's updated every week. We have some really cool in- interviews there. But that's kind of where our most content is happening. Otherwise, you can go to Fierce Parenting. There's all kinds of blogs and resources there. Um, and then we're on socials just with our handle, Fierce Parenting. So. Yeah, awesome. What's one thing that you've read or seen or listened to recently that's impacted you? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, so I'm in seminary. I just finished an apologetics course. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's deep. It's well. It's it's all really foggy because <laughs> it happens so fast. <laughs> right. Um, but if if you know in this in this demographic with you know six to twelve graders, uh, sometimes apologetics is a really positive place to engage with kids. That's right. And so if you're looking to do that, um, there's some cool resources. Uh, one guy you want to look up is his name's Cornelius Van Til. Um, he's kind of the, the, the he's one of the fathers of what we would call like presuppositional apologetics. It's really helpful. Um, okay. at, especially in light of what we've talked about here. Um, Van Til and another one by um, uh, Oliphant is his name. His book's called Covenantal Apologetics. Those are like one of that one's a seminary book. So don't read that one, but the, um, the, the Van Til one, um, look him up. He's really good. Cornelius Absolutely. Van Til. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, again, thank you so much for making the time to be yeah. here. Uh, yeah. Here on the Parent Point Podcast, our mission is to help you, the parent, realize and accomplish this truth that you are the primary disciple maker of your student. I hope today's episode encouraged you and equipped you to engage your student and disciple them. Parents go and parent like you never have before.